Welcome to the Classroom Commute Podcast, a podcast for elementary teachers who want to feel inspired each week on your ride into school. I'm your host, Rachel, and my goal is to give you simple and actionable 21st century teaching strategies that you can take into your classroom to spark the love of learning in your students. You are already amazing, and together we're going places. Thanks for taking me along for the ride. Hey teachers, happy summer. Have you heard? We're switching things up here on the Classroom Commute podcast and we're trading in our daily drive to school with a summer teacher road trip. What's that mean? Well, each week this summer, we are visiting some of the most popular tourist destinations, aka the most popular podcast episodes of this past school year. So listen in, get re-inspired, and best of all, make sure you have joined our email family so that you can snag some exclusive freebies that only they will get and get access to hot summer deals at the Classroom Nook Teacher Shop. We'll link up all the details in the show notes so you don't miss out. All right, grab your favorite road trip snack and let's get started. Okay, answer me this. How many times have you heard or maybe even thought yourself, I'm guilty as charged, that the use of technology is diminishing or ruining students' ability to interact with others and communicate without the use of a screen? But I would argue that it's not just the device that's doing it. It's the imbalance of technology versus offline activities that might be the culprit. We would be letting our students down if we didn't teach them critical tech skills that they're going to use throughout their lives. That's a given. But we would also be letting them down if we replaced every activity with its digital alternative. It's all about balance. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how to create balance. We want our students to see how technology can improve our day-to-day lives, but still maintain other skills and activities that don't require the use of technology. Technology on its own does not always result in student improvement. Let me say that again. Technology on its own does not result in student improvement. But using technology in effective and meaningful ways can. We shouldn't just be using tech for tech's sake. Back in episode 99, I talked about a simple framework that technology use falls into. It's called the SAMR model, and it was developed by educational research Ruben Puentadora. And in this model, we see that there are four tiers or four levels that using technology falls into. So level one is we use technology to serve as a substitute for another teaching method. At level two, technology is being used as a way to augment a learning experience. Level three, the use of technology begins to modify how we learn. And at the highest level, level four, technology is being used to redefine and transform the learning experience. So we have technology used as a substitute, used as a way to augment a learning experience, to modify how we learn, or to redefine and transform. So there's your four levels. Now, I won't rehash all of what goes into each of those levels right now because I already did that in episode 99, and I'll link to it in the show notes. But essentially, this model, this SAMR model, substitute, augmentation, modify, redefine, it shows us the roles that technology plays in our classroom. Sometimes it serves as simply a substitute for an activity, but it doesn't really have a big impact on student achievement. 
It's often used as a convenience for using a digital version over a non-digital alternative for whatever activity that you're doing. Other times, using technology truly redefines or transforms student learning, and it makes possible what was not possible without the use of technology. This use of technology is not just a substitution. It's an all-out transformation and redefinition of what learning looks like in the 21st century classroom. And then, of course, there are those levels between the substitution tier and redefinition tier, which just basically fall in the middle of how much technology use impacts student learning. But the point that I want to make here is that we must find a balance in the activities that we use with our students. We want the types of activities we choose, whether they're digital or not, to be meaningful and serve a purpose and above all, be what's best for students. So we should always be asking ourselves, why am I using this technology in this activity? Am I using it because I want a paperless option? Which, by the way, is a completely valid reason and certainly has its place. And of course, we all know that in the years that we have been having these past two years, digital activities and the substitution for the paper and pencil activities that we would typically do have been needed at a moment's notice. So it's a great option to have. You might also ask yourself, am I using this technology because I think it's going to motivate students? Will this technology activity give students an experience that is only possible through this technology activity? Or am I just using tech for tech's sake? It's easy to feel pressure to go overboard with technology, but if we're just using tech to say that we've used it, check that off our list of things to include in our instruction, and you have a perfectly wonderful activity that has the same outcome that you've used for years and students love, don't reinvent the wheel. Both digital and non-digital activities have their place and it's about striking that balance when it comes to teaching and technology. So I wanna share a few tips to help you strike that balance. In fact, I've got five tips that I wanna share with you today. The first tip is to find ways that students can collaborate with digital activities. We don't want it to be the case where anytime we use technology, collaboration and interacting with each other goes out the window just because you're using technology. It doesn't have to be that way. For example, let's say you have a digital discussion board for a novel that you're reading or a topic that you're studying in a content area. And on this digital discussion board, students respond individually on their devices to that question or that prompt that you've given them, and they're doing it in Google Slides. So Google Slides, you likely know, is a live document. So when one student makes a change to that slide, as long as it's on the master copy and they haven't been given a copy, all students will see those responses. So you've got this great collection of responses and ideas and thoughts and questions that students are putting on this digital discussion board. Now, take it a step further and have those students who participated in that discussion board meet in a small group to further their discussion offline based on the comments from others. This is a great opportunity to incorporate things like accountable talk, where students learn to add to conversations in meaningful ways. By the way, I did an entire episode on accountable talk, so if that's a new term to you, I'll link to that episode in the show notes where I share how to get students having great discussions using accountable talk, so be sure to check that out. You can also work through a digital activity together in small groups or even as a whole class. I think we often think that digital instruction means that students are on individual devices with their headphones on and that that activity, that digital activity, serves as a replacement for the teacher. And that simply doesn't have to be the case. You are not replaceable. For example, 
I've had tons of teachers tell me that they use Linktivities as a whole class and work through it together. So if you're unfamiliar with what a Linktivity is, think of it like a multimedia eduventure, that's E-D-U venture, where students learn about a topic or a skill or a strategy. And it's essentially an interactive digital learning guide where students can navigate through this digital guide at their own pace and they watch videos on a topic or skill. They look at graphics and images and timelines and photographs. They can even listen to the text on the screen, have it read to them. So that's great for your struggling readers. And Linktivities support the idea that our brains can absorb information better when it's presented in a multimedia format. And although these Linktivities work great as individual activities, teachers often use them as a whole class so that they can watch and discuss the videos together or work their way through the digital timeline on a civil war or the American Revolution or whatever the topic may be. Using a Linktivity as a whole class allows the teacher to take advantage of the benefits that technology has to offer while still collaborating and engaging in face-to-face discussion. And again, the same setup can be done in small groups as opposed to a whole class. You can have three to four students working on a device together and go through the Linktivity or whatever the digital activity might be. And by the way, I'll link to a free Linktivity in the show notes if you want to check it out. If you've never done a Linktivity before, this is a great one to get your feet wet and kind of get a little taste of what a Linktivity is and how it works with your students. But if you're already familiar with Linktivities and love using them with your students as much as I do, I have a library of Linktivities inside the Linktivity Learning Membership. And inside the membership, you get access, unlimited access to my entire library of Linktivities so that you can use Linktivities regularly with your students without having to purchase them separately. So in this membership, I'm giving you the keys to the entire Linktivity kingdom. And if you want more information about that membership, head on over to classroomnook.com forward slash Linktivity and I'll give you all the details. Another way you can create a collaborative digital learning experience is by having students learn or research part of a topic using technology. So let's say they're watching a video or going through a website or listening to a podcast or like I just mentioned, going through a Linktivity. They can learn using the technology, the information, and then work in small groups to create a poster or some other presentation that they then share with the rest of the class so that they can learn what they learned. I did this with my students when they were learning about new modes of transportation and communication during Westward Expansion. So we were doing our Westward Expansion unit, and if you've taught that before, you know that you learn about all sorts of new transportation modes that they had in the 1800s, like the Transcontinental Railroad and communication and so on. And so what I did is I had students get into small groups and they were given a little task card. And on that task card was a QR code that they would scan with their device and it would bring up a video about whatever they've been assigned. So if they were assigned the Transcontinental Railroad, they scanned a QR code that brought a YouTube video all about the Transcontinental Railroad. And they also explored websites and other online resources about the Transcontinental Railroad. And then they worked together in that same group to create a poster to present to the rest of the class. And the other groups did the same with whatever they were assigned. So by the end of the lesson or that particular project, they had researched one in depth themselves using both technology and non-technology resources. And then they also learned from their classmates about the other modes of transportation and communication. So it was a great way to collaborate, to use both digital and non-digital resources. All right, my second tip 
for balancing teaching and technology is to establish a media-free zone in your classroom and to establish times throughout your day that do not include digital devices. So in the last tip, I talked about kind of how to marry the two together, to marry technology and collaboration together. In this tip, I do think there are times when you need to have no media at all. Our brains, our eyes, they need a break from screens. And so you need to have times in your day and areas of your classroom that are media free. And articulate to your students why you're doing this. Help them to see that you too want to have a balance of technology use in the classroom. And this is also going to model for them that they should have media free times and zones outside of their school life as well. My third tip to keep a healthy balance is to provide students with options. Similar to a choice board, provide digital and non-digital options for learning. Provide both online resources like websites and videos alongside books and magazines and paper articles when students are researching a topic. Not all students will choose the digital option, believe it or not. Some may prefer to open a book or a magazine. One is not better over the other, and by providing both, we're showing students that both options, both the digital and the non-digital option, have value. You can also give students the option to type or handwrite a reading response, a book summary, or whatever the assignment may be, if that makes sense for that particular activity. Now, I don't say all of this to make more work for you by having to provide two versions of everything, and I'm not even suggesting that you do this every single time. But oftentimes, providing digital and non-digital options is simple and helps to keep a healthy balance. It can even be as simple as printing off that article that you found on a website like Time for Kids and just printing it off as that option for a non-digital alternative. And by doing so, you know, students who might benefit from highlighting or underlining or writing notes in the margin, they now have that option instead of just reading it on the screen. So think about ways that you can provide options for your students and have both digital and non-digital resources available. My fourth tip to help you strike a healthy balance is by providing opportunities for digital and non-digital activities to complement each other. I'll use my Linktivities as an example again. With each Linktivity, students can complete a printable flipbook, lapbook, or some other activity sheet to show what they're learning in the Linktivity. So while students are working their way through the digital Linktivity, they're writing and drawing and coloring and cutting and pasting to show what they've learned in their flipbook or their activity sheet. And these projects can be then shared with their classmates or put on display. So we're giving our students a digital learning experience and complementing it with a non-digital activity to show what they've learned. Lastly, a way to strike a healthy balance is to take the lead of your students. Take note of the types of digital activities that they love and they seem to be ultra motivated by. And likewise, take note of those that don't light them up. If you try a digital activity and it doesn't quite land the way that you had hoped, do less of those types of activities. What non-digital alternative might have been better? And again, don't use technology just for the sake of using technology. All right, before I leave you today, I wanna present some questions that you might ask yourself when thinking about how to strike a healthy balance for using classroom technology. You might ask yourself, does this technology activity add value? Does this technology activity increase student motivation? How can I add a collaborative or non-digital element to this technology activity? Will using this technology activity help transform learning? Is there something about this activity that cannot be possible without the use of technology? 
Does the use of this technology teach students a critical 21st century skill? Do I already have a great non-tech activity that I know is successful? If the answer is yes, do that activity. You already know it works. You already know it makes an impact on student learning, so just use it. And remember this, technology does not replace teaching. Teachers still play a critical role in student learning. So we want to make sure that we're providing a healthy balance for our students so that they see that they need to learn both from people, both the teacher and other students, and use the benefits that technology provides for us to learn as well. They go hand in hand. They can complement each other. They're two sides of the same coin, however you want to say it. We need both. All right, before I leave today, I want to remind you that you can grab links to all of the things that I mentioned in today's episode in the show notes over at classroomnook.com forward slash podcast forward slash 107. And I'll have everything there for you. And as always, if you are loving this podcast, share it with a teacher friend. Make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and keep coming back each week for more and more inspiration for your 21st century classroom. All right, that's all I have for you today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I will be back again next week with another episode. Bye for now.